0: well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed welcome to another edition of bearing arms cam and company my name is cam edwards i'm so glad you joined us on the program today got a a good show for you coming up we're going to talk with dr robert young with doctors for responsible gun ownership uh the american medical association is weighing in on H.R. 8. That is the uh, universal background check bill. And only H.R. 8, for some reason. Not They, they, they haven't said a word about the H.R. 1446. That's the other gun control bill dealing with background checks that the House of Representatives passed several weeks ago. So far, there's been no action in the Senate, not even a committee hearing, even though Senator Chuck Schumer vowed that he was going to bring this measure to the uh, Senate floor, but he doesn't want to do it right now because they don't have the votes. Gun control uh, activists say, no. the time for debate is over. Um, I mean, that's fine if you want to say that the time for debate on this bill is over, but you're going to lose the vote in the Senate if if we go ahead and hold the vote today. Uh, So actually, the time for debate is still going on. It's just that gun control advocates are losing the debate uh, at the moment because H.R. 8 and H.R. 1446— Would not impact violent criminals. They would not impact the black market acquisition of firearms. They would not impact the theft of firearms. They would impact legal gun owners and those who are going through the process of becoming legal gun owners by imposing criminal penalties. In the case of H.R. 8, if you were to sell a firearm to your neighbor uh, or to your cousin, you sell a gun to your aunt, not to your cousin, because, you know, That's common sense gun safety. Uh, H.R. 1446, under the uh, terms of that bill, the FBI would have at least 10 business days and, in all honesty, would have an indefinite period of time to delay any firearm sale that it wanted to. Uh, And even, uh, well, the the, the unofficial Senate Majority Leader, uh, Joe Manchin of Virginia, says he's not on board. With either of these bills. So they're not going anywhere in the Senate right now, but uh, gun control activists are still trying to drum up support. uh, And now they have enlisted the help of the American Medical Association uh, in stumping for at least one of these two gun control bills. So we talked with Dr. Robert Young from uh, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership about this AMA letter and why the organization is so off base in their support for H.R. 8. Take a look and a listen. Dr. Young, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. It's good talking with you today.
1: Always glad to be with you, Cam.
0: I appreciate your time. Uh, the American Medical Association, out with a a letter, uh, the uh, head of the American Medical Association, uh, writing uh, James Madera is his name, uh, writing a letter to uh, Representative Mike Thompson of California, Representative Fred Upton of Michigan, uh, supporting HRA, the universal background check bill. Uh, he says it's a, quote, common sense bill, uh, that would expand the existing background check system to cover all firearm sales uh, while providing, quote, reasonable exceptions for law enforcement and family and friend transfers. He says it's one of the major causes of injury related deaths. Uh, the AMA recognizes that firearm violence is a serious public health crisis. Uh, and he says uh, the background check system could be, quote, more effective if unlicensed dealers or private sellers We're required to conduct background checks. And he said by closing these loopholes, HRA can be an important tool in keeping guns out of the hands who are prohibited uh, from those who are prohibited from having them uh, and therefore will uh, save lives. First of all, what's your take on the American Medical Association weighing in on on any gun control measure?
1: Well, first of all, I'm one of the 80 percent of American physicians who who, – excuse me, I'm not. I, I take that back but 80% of American physicians do not belong to the AMA. So I'm glad at least to see them representing themselves now as on behalf of the physicians of the AMA, not on behalf of American physicians because they don't speak for all of us. I'm a member, but that's for different reasons and has nothing to do with their, their wrong wrongness on uh, gun physicians. Sure. Yeah. This is, uh, this is the usual combination uh for organized medicine of ignorance, superstition, and um, antipathy towards guns and gun owners, the ignorance is is clear when they talk about whatever whatever the heck non-licensed dealer. I don't know what that is. And they clearly don't know what that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think that exists actually. I mean, under federal law, you're either a federally licensed firearms dealer. Uh, Or you're a private seller, and if you are engaged in the commerce of selling firearms without a license, that's a crime. I mean, you know, you're not allowed to do that.
1: Right, right. Uh, You can't be a dealer in guns without having a license from the federal government, period. So that that one statement simply reveals the extent of, of their ignorance about the whole area of guns and violence and uh what interaction there may be between those subjects. They assume, of course, as they always have since the nineteen eighties, that guns are the primary cause of violence in America for some reason. Um I thought uh we, we mentioned this earlier. I thought uh Tom Knighton's article yesterday on bearing arms added to that conversation in a fascinating way. Of course we've seen years and years of increasing gun ownership in America not being related to increases in violence in general, let alone, mm-hmm. gun, quote, gun violence. But now we've seen that last year suicides dropped dramatically um, despite another huge upsurge in uh, particularly new owners buying guns, uh, along with all the reasons you'd think people would be more depressed and more at risk of suicide during this COVID epidemic with all the isolation And lack of socialization we've been putting up with. So again, if the AMA, like my American Psychiatric Association, should be caring about those points. And that's just another point to say that addressing violence through restricting gun ownership is not the tool that works, because there is no direct correlation on that.
0: You know, I'm really glad you brought up the uh, the suicide statistics because that figure really surprised me. As you say, this was a significant drop, a drop of of more than five percent. And suicides have been increasing in the United States over the past few years. Violent crime has been going down. Suicide has been going up. Uh, That includes, by the way, non-firearm suicides, which have actually been rising faster than uh, suicides in which a firearm uh, has been used. But again, as you say, you know, the, the AMA and other organizations that, uh, that that promote a gun control ideology, either as part of their mission statement or as just sort of part of their extracurricular activities, they, they, they do try to simplify this down to idiocy, uh, quite frankly. Uh, yeah. You know, simply, I mean, a fundamental tenet of the gun control movement is more guns equals more crime. Well, as you say, we know that's not the case because it hasn't been the case for the past 25 years. Uh, the AMA seems to suggest, well, more guns equals more suicides. We know that's not the case either. So, 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 why do you think um, Dr. Madera, at the AMA, is so eager to wade into the the gun control debate rather than? Simply saying silent. It's not like the AMA had to come out and oppose HR eight. They could have said this is outside of our mission. It's outside of our purview. We we're focused on improving access to mental health. We're focused on uh-huh. improving the you know, the 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 patient outcomes here, uh, rather than we're gonna devote time and attention and expend some of our political capital on putting in another gun control law on the books.
1: Right uh can be careful, you're perilously close to saying something like stay in your lane, and we remember the effect that had yes. on uh activist uh medical uh professionals uh but indeed they indeed they should you're absolutely right the uh this goes back at least to the nineteen eighties uh here at d r g o uh it's it's still documented it's still on our site. How leadership of CDC, of the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, ANA, started then without data, um, opposing guns because they hated them. They said so in so many words. And for some reason, that attitude has persisted through, uh, through organized medicine ever since, even while participation in organized medicine is dropping. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a dog with a bone and they just can't let loose of it no matter what the data has shown uh, since and it's grown dramatically ever since uh, to show exactly the things we've been talking about guns themselves are not the problem Um, sure there's a problem with who gets them at the wrong time of course but who gets them at the wrong time uh, are getting them uh, by stealing them or uh, in some fashion whether it's uh, from one's family or, or on the black market, it's, it's not happening from people who uh, not to any significant statistical degree from people who go out and want to buy a gun and do so properly.
0: Yeah. I I guess that's why I was so puzzled and, and you're right. I'm probably veering close to staying in your lane, but that actually wasn't my intention (laughs) Uh, as somebody who likes to veer outside of my own lane on occasion, I would never tell others that they've got to stay in their own lane. But, but, but even from that, that that anti-gun perspective, I I, I still don't I, honestly. I, I'm I'm still puzzled by the AMA's action because look, it's you know this and I know this, and and I think folks who are able to look at H.R. eight with a fair mind understand this is not a preventative measure in any way, shape, or form. There is no way to proactively try to enforce a law requiring background checks on private transfers of firearms. You can't no, do absolutely it. Absolutely not. So right. this, is, this is something that – this is a criminal charge that can be applied after the fact if law enforcement discovers that a right. gun was transferred without a background check. But it doesn't prevent anything. To me, it seems like, okay, right. if we want to encourage people to you know go through background checks when they're selling a gun to somebody that they don't know, um, the, 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 the real way to do that isn't to slap H.R. 8 on the books. It's actually to provide a system which doesn't currently right. exist – where individuals could access voluntarily uh, the NICS system or, or, you know, a, a, a correlating uh, a database, and they could voluntarily run those checks. Uh, open yeah. source defense had a suggestion a couple of years ago that would allow for uh, if I was going to buy a gun from you, Um, I would call into the NICS system. I would run a check on myself. Mm -hmm. I would get a code Mm -hmm. that I would then take to you, and you'd say, all right, do you have your code? And I'd say, yeah, here it is. It's 0181282, you know and you would call the NICS number. You'd enter that in, and then NICS would tell you, yes, they're good to go, or nope, you can't sell that gun to Cam. He's a primitive person, Um, Mm -hmm. which I'm not. Right. That, to me, seems like a much more feasible way of not only protecting the privacy of gun owners. You don't have to worry about a gun registry because the the information about the firearm would never even come into play. Right. But it would actually encourage people when they have those concerns or those questions to to go right. through this process and to do so easily. Whereas, you know, in my case, if HRA became law and I wanted to sell my neighbor a gun, we would literally have to drive over 20 miles to find an FFL. Mm -hmm. that hopefully would conduct these private background checks. It makes no sense to me from a practical standpoint why the AMA would endorse Mm -hmm. this bill.
1: Well, again, I told you why. Uh, The leadership of organized medicine (laughs) hates guns. It really is that simple. If we were staying in our lane as physicians, the very first thing we would address would be what's called iatrogenic harm. That's the harm caused by us medical professionals to patients, including probably at least 400,000 deaths per year. If, if, if a physician is going to get on a high horse, we should be looking at ourselves, looking at the uh, log in our own eyes before we start picking at the uh, splinter in other people's. As to your, your, and you, uh, was it uh, law? long, for, I forgot. Oh, open source
0: yeah. defense. Yeah.
1: Open source defense. That's a great, a great resource for people, by the way, I post their stuff. Every week on d r g o eleven but there is a uh, and there is a way to do this. It's called the bids b i d s and I would invite everyone to look that up. This idea has been floating around for years uh it's a perfect system in in which there can be kept a list of prohibited persons for the right reasons, and individuals can look them up and it leaves no trace of registration and um I don't know. I don't know nearly as many gun owners who would object to a law saying you must do that for every private sale. Because what we're really afraid of is the development of a, a list of gun owners who own which guns. That's what, um, if if the government turned on us, could uh, go very very badly. But we all want to make sure we we are uh, providing guns to people who. Should be safe with them. Of course, we do. No way around that. So, BIDS, people should look that up. What this is really about is a politics of control. It's yeah. not trying to solve the problem. We're talking about what the obvious solution is, and it can be done. But the people who want to propose these gun control bills aren't interested in solving the problem in a way that 100% of Americans can buy into.
0: Absolutely. I, I mean,
1: I, I, half of us.
0: I will say that. I would object to any system that made it mandatory that made it a law uh Correct. because again I don't I don't believe that the puni- I don't I don't think that should be a crime and I don't believe that the criminal justice system should waste resources on trying to uh uh impose penalties or jail time or prison time for somebody who you know, did not uh, utilize a background check system to sell a, a gun to their neighbor or to somebody that they know. I right. think it's a waste of time. Right. I, I right. believe in, in you know, volunteerism. I think that, that much more could be done if you make a, a system that is open, as you say, uh, to the public and encourage them to use that. I think you'd probably actually see more widespread adoption because I think gun owners get their backs up right. when we're told you have to do this. I think our, oh, our first response is, no, I don't.
1: Right. Um, I was kind of exaggerating. Because, <laughs> yeah what i said was i think more i think a lot more gun owners would be comfortable with that kind of law than this kind of law you know that we're talking about yeah. um i'd prefer i'd prefer there not to be a law and indeed if you're selling to someone you know why bother because you know them that's that's the best definition of a personal transaction a personal uh uh Gift
0: or whatever, but as you say, the politics of control get in the way of of realistic—I uh, don't want to say solutions, but but realistic ways to to you know address the problem uh, of you know criminals getting a hold of firearms through the uh, through the black market. Again, this wouldn't cut down on every black market sale because criminal to criminal sales—they're still not going to uh, utilize uh, any sort of background check system whatsoever. But it would be you know uh, again a way to do this without putting a new criminal penalty uh, right. on the books. Right. And, and uh, you know, that's I got to say, doctor, I mean, that, that's another thing that I, I'm kind of surprised to see the AMA weighed in on this, because we are starting to see, albeit kind of slowly, a, a growing recognition from some on the left who who may support the idea of reducing gun ownership. They may not like the Second Amendment, but they also don't like the idea of over incarceration. They mm-hmm. believe that the criminal justice system disproportionately impacts minorities, uh, and, you know, putting H.R. 8 on the books, I have no doubt that the prosecutions, uh, if they took place at the federal level, would be primarily directed against offenders in Democrat-controlled urban areas – Sure. As opposed to sure. a rural gun owner like myself. Uh, sure. and, and so there is, you know, Dr. Madera can talk about uh, how this will lessen gun violence and save lives. I don't think there's any evidence of that whatsoever. None. But None. I think there's I think there's plenty of evidence that uh, a, a gun law like H.R. Eight and the other gun control laws that I'm sure Dr. Madera supports would actually end up putting people in prison, creating nonviolent felons uh, mm-hmm. and doing a hell of a lot more damage than good. Right. The, uh,
1: it's, it's interesting to note, I think, that many of the new gun owners this past year are actually from the left of the political spectrum. And that's a good, good thing because gun ownership and the Second Amendment are not, uh, for conservatives. They're for all. And I think, uh, despite the wokeism going on uh, right now in a leftist sort of way, I think there are liberals getting woke to the fact that their rights matter too. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out in the future. We've already seen uh, minorities voting in higher percentages for Republicans during this past uh, election than we've seen ever before. Um, I I hope that as we continue speaking truth to these powers, be it the AMA or, or certain Democrats or the federal government at large, um, that we're joined by more and more people who see it and who, who understand that they need to speak up too. Um, that's a way out in the end that's the best and the brightest for all of us, I hope.
0: Absolutely. You're right. I think our, our rights are stronger when, uh, when support is a, a nonpartisan issue. And, and you're absolutely correct when you say this is a right of the people. Uh, it's not a right of the right. It's not a right of the conservatives. It's a right of all of us. And the more of us who are exercising this right, I think, the stronger it will be. Uh, Doctor Young, as always, sir, it is so good talking with you. I, I really appreciate uh, you joining us on the program. I hope that we can do so uh, again in the future. And uh, and tell folks a little bit about doctors for responsible gun ownership.
1: Well, we're the doctors who know better. Uh, we aren't. Uh, we we don't follow the woke line for being woke. Uh, we follow facts, we follow the real science, and, uh, our expertise is the real science about, uh, guns, about violence, about gun ownership, and, uh, all the data that has developed within the last 30 years pointing to exactly the things we're talking about. The reality that gun ownership is a good thing in America and, uh, needs to be encouraged, uh, for, not only for the American rights, but that as it happens, for the safety of families and communities. Uh you can find us on drgo.us. Uh look us up. We publish uh every week. We uh, have a very active Facebook presence, we tweet for whatever that's worth anymore. I don't know. We're we're waiting to for our turn to be um uh canceled by one of these things. So far we've slipped under the radar I don't know how. Uh but we we're very active. We have thousands of physician and other medical professional memberships across the country uh joining as uh, as little as thirty dollars once or free if you can't afford that which really is just a statement that uh you support our mission and and we will support you
0: well again we certainly support what you're doing and uh again i'm glad you could spend some time with us today look forward to doing this again very soon thank you so much sir
1: absolutely kim
0: take care appreciate dr young joining us on the program looking forward to having him back again in the very near future and i do think it is it is really um, worth noting that again, there are all kinds of things that we could do that don't involve putting new laws on the books that I think uh, most gun owners would support. Again, a, a open source defenses idea of of basically an open. Nix system that would be voluntary, where you could go and you could get a code, and then if you uh, the the seller of that farm said, "Yeah, you know, I don't really know you, man. Do you, do you have that that uh, that Nix code? You give him the Nix code, you enter it into Nix, come back green or red, you're good to go." I wouldn't have a problem with that. Again, I'd have a problem if it was mandated. I'd have a problem if all of a sudden it was a crime not to do it. Because I need, I don't don't think we need to be putting any new nonviolent offenses on the books, particularly when it comes to the exercise of our Second Amendment rights. But there are things that we could do that don't involve creating crimes out of thin air. And most gun control activists are completely uninterested in doing any of those things. They're, you know, it's baked into the cake of what the gun control movement is. That they want new laws, new criminal penalties, prison time for those who would violate They're gun control edicts. You own a magazine that can hold 17 rounds in California. They think you should go to prison. You own an AR-15 and you keep a hold of it after Joe Biden says you got to turn it in or you got to register it under the National Firearms Act. They think you should go to prison. Uh, In California, if you buy ammunition in Arizona and you bring it back to California because it's cheaper and you can find it, they want you to go to prison. At the same time... Many of these same Democrats are talking about how we have to address over incarceration. We have to fix the criminal justice system. We have to reimagine policing. Well, you can't do that if you're slapping new laws on the books that create criminals out of legal gun owners. And uh and and, and as I said, there, there's there's a a sliver of recognition. And oh yeah, oh yeah, gun control is not synonymous. With violence prevention or even gun violence prevention. I wrote about this actually yesterday at BarryArms.com. I would encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's a conversation uh with journalists about guns, a surprising conversation with journalists about guns. The DART Center for Trauma and Journalism and the Columbia Journalism Review had a webinar on Tuesday about how to report on gun issues, rethinking how the reporting on on guns. And look, there was a lot of it that was eye rolling. But there were some moments. I didn't have a chance to watch the entire thing. I watched about 30, 45 minutes of the two-hour presentation. And there were a couple of moments that actually I I found myself in agreement with a couple of these reporters. By the way, there were no pro-Second Amendment reporters on this panel. None. Zero. Zilch. Nada. The closest that you found was a reporter for the Guardian newspaper and a reporter, believe it or not, for The Trace, the Michael Bloomberg-funded anti-gun website. And both of those reporters talked about the fact that, well, I think the the trace reporter called it white-centric gun control laws, Uh, meaning, you know, white-led organizations like the Brady Campaign, Every Down for Gun Safety, Giffords, that all of these gun control laws are are not actually aimed at addressing violence, and they're not really the best way to address violence, That, that instead, local programs that are focused on the most violent offenders, who are also typically the most uh, likely to be victimized, uh, that those programs are more successful at reducing violence. And so if the end goal is a safer society and safer communities, instead of simply putting people in prison because they uh, possessed a gun without a license, even if they didn't use it in a violent crime, or they possessed a 20-round magazine when they were told they could only have 10 rounds, If the goal is to make our country a safer place, these old school gun control laws aren't the way to do it. Now, again, as a Second Amendment supporter, I have no problem with that position. In fact, I agree with it wholeheartedly. We may be coming at this from a couple of different angles, but ultimately, I found myself in agreement uh, with these reporters on how to actually move the ball forward, because they, too, seem to acknowledge and recognize that we can't ban or arrest our way to safety. So even though they might not call themselves Second Amendment supporters, I think there's some common ground to be found. And again, I would encourage you to uh, to check out that report. Let me know what you think. I've invited both of them, uh, at least through Twitter, to uh, join me on this program so we can continue that conversation. I hope they'll take me up on the offer. Be nice. If we could actually try to find some common ground instead of just you know saying things we both agree with from separate rooms, but I I, I don't know that they're ready to take that step yet. Fingers crossed that they are. All right, let's get to today's armed citizen story. Our uh, good deed of the day. Our recidivist report. We will start there with I think a very misleading headline: Ogden drive-by shooting plea bargain nets man three prison terms. So you read that headline and you think, oh, so somebody's going to prison for a drive-by shooting, right? Wrong. 26-year-old Alberto Delgado, according to police, was a passenger in a pickup truck who fired seven shots at a house in Ogden, Utah, back on December the 6th. No one was hit by the gunfire. Delgado was arrested about three hours later after three minute of pickup, matching the description of the vehicle seen in the drive-by. Fled from officers. During the chase, Delgado allegedly disposed of two handguns. The uh, pickup jumped a curb, destroyed a power box, eventually knocking power out to about 6,000 people for several hours. At Delgado's sentencing, This week, his defense attorney, Danny Quintana, said that uh, Delgado, quote, surrounded himself with the wrong people. He learned an expensive lesson from this. Dude's 26 years old. Come on. Well, you know, he's just a wayward youth who just got caught up with the wrong crowd. He's 26 years old. In a plea bargain... Delgado admitted to three charges of third-degree felony discharge of a firearm and a Class A misdemeanor charge of failing to stop for police. In in turn, the Weber County Attorney's Office dropped six other charges, including four additional counts of discharging a firearm, two counts of third-degree felony obstruction of justice. And Judge Ruben Rindström sentenced Delgado to, quote, zero to five years in state prison on each of the three firearms charges and then suspended each and every one of those sentences and placed Delgado on 36 months probation. So... Again, three prison terms, theoretically, in actuality, no. He got a slap on the wrist. He was told, don't do it again. If you do do it again, you might go to prison for up to five years. You might not. So let that be a lesson to you, young man, 26-year-old young man. It's just absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. Uh, and in a state, you know, that, that's that's good for Second Amendment rights like Utah. I mean, it's a constitutional carry state. But you can, again, this the problem that we have in addressing violent crime is not limited to blue states. We see these problems in red states, too, because the problem is really rife within our criminal justice system, which relies on plea bargains like this in order to keep the wheels uh, greased, so to speak. About 97 percent of felony cases in this country end up in a plea bargain. So this is not unusual. But to me, it's still very unacceptable. All right, today's armed citizen story from Lexington, Kentucky, where a man was shot at after allegedly trying to break into a home there in Lexington, Kentucky. This is from Lex 18. Officers were called just after 3.30 Tuesday morning to an apartment complex uh, on Hollow Creek Road on reports of an intruder was breaking into a residence there. Police say the person fired a shot at the suspect, 42-year-old Keith Jackson, who then ran off. Uh, Police say a short time later, someone showed up at a local hospital with a gunshot wound, and they were able to determine that, uh, indeed, it was Mr. Jackson, the uh, tenant in the case, not hurt. Police say that Jackson's injuries don't appear to be life-threatening. He has uh, now been uh, released from the hospital, charged with second-degree burglary, third-degree terroristic threatening, booked into the Fayette County Detention Center. The uh, homeowner or apartment dweller, not facing any charges because they were acting in self-defense and uh, another defensive gun use that will not get the national news attention, but you will hear about it right here on Burying Arms Cam and Company. Finally today, our uh, good deed of the day, from Philadelphia, PA. This is the moment where a row home in Philly blew up uh, in northeast Philadelphia. A 61-year-old man is alive today thanks to the Good Samaritan who pulled him out. It was just before 1.30 Tuesday afternoon when uh, crews were dispatched to the scene uh, and they found the front of a building missing and collapsed. The second floor, quote, heavily involved in fire, according to Philadelphia Fire Commissioner Adam Thiel. Uh, Utility crews responded. They cut off gas service as more than 60 firefighters worked to put out the flames for nearly an hour. Dyer was visiting a friend and saw the blast happened. And he immediately ran to the scene, started climbing over the rubble, because he said, I heard him crying and screaming. And so I just went to try to help him out. There was a 61-year-old trapped on the second floor. Darius said, when I went up the stairs, he was on fire. And so I had to put him out with the extinguisher, and I picked him up, I put him on my shoulder, and I came downstairs. He said, once I got him out, I was scared. He said, I can't believe that I went in there. Obviously, a very unstable situation, but faced with the prospect of somebody in need, somebody dying, Dyer acted. Uh, he said, You know what? I'd want somebody to help my mom or my grandpa. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad that Dyer feels that way. I think we would all feel that way. The thing is, Dyer actually did something about it. So, Ray and Dyer in Philadelphia. In the right place at the right time, willing able to do the right thing to save the life of a 61-year-old man. He is currently in critical condition, by the way, because of the severity of his burns, the 61-year-old. Uh, but he is alive, and that actually is an upgrade from his original status when he was taken to the hospital. So, uh, again, uh, Rake and Dyer, we thank you for your life-saving good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. But I do want to thank you for joining us for all of it. Don't forget to check out BerrienArms.com throughout the rest of the day and on into Thursday as well, uh, where we'll be updating the site with all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. We will also be back with you tomorrow here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. You can subscribe to Town Hall Media at YouTube. Or on Rumble.com, Bearing Arms Cam and Company, also a Bearing Arms Cam and Company at Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and the uh, com podcast page. Until we speak again, be well, be safe, and be free.